As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And we just introduced our late season pricing. You can choose from season long, four week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. And stay tuned for the NFL playoffs and bowl packages that have historically been our most profitable. Use code SHARP25 for 25% off any product site wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Uh, week 15, we're, we're starting with Saturday games. Uh, everything, it's, it's taken, taken all weekends away from us now. Uh, so uh, as we uh, get this late into the season, uh, how you doing? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, my, 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 my son really wants to see Spider-Man. When Spider-Man, the tickets became available, we got them. And then I, you know, bought them for December 18th for Saturday. And you just say, oh, there's football that day too afterwards. But it's like, well, as it turns out, you know, with all the COVID news with Browns Raiders, uh, missing that that one may not be that that big, big of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's also what I, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, my uh, my birthday is actually on Sunday, so uh, all oh, work happy days. So um, thank you. Um, so I'm uh, not going to do anything on Sunday. Uh, so trying to figure out like when to like even you know go out to a dinner or something because I really want to watch because this is the type of person I am and uh, you know in this job I really want to watch uh, uh, Patriots Colts on Saturday night. So I don't really want to go to dinner on. <laughs> Saturday night, so so it might be a uh, it might be a, a Saturday afternoon lunch, uh, missing a Raiders and Browns. Which, hey, if we can, you know, just kind of dive into there, like with everything going on in Cleveland right now, um, you know, just kind of positive COVID tests going all over the league, really in Cleveland, one of the hardest hit. Um, and you know, we're recording this on on Thursday, so we don't know if you know there's been any rules that have been passed because on on Wednesday. Uh, in the owners' meetings, they were starting to talk about potentially uh, doing, you know, new things with uh, some of the the protocols that they're doing. Because uh, uh, basically, uh, a lot of people who have been testing positive around the league are are vaccinated. Um, some e- even boosted. I know that is uh, what's happened with the Rams. I think everyone who tested positive for the Rams was vaccinated, uh, which Sean McVay said. So uh, we're, there's potential of talking about allowing players who have tested positive and AR asymptomatic uh, and vaccinated to return a a little quicker uh, than they already could. I think that was, you know, two positive tests within 24 hours uh, or two negative tests within 24 hours of each other to, to return. So uh, we'll potentially see if, if anything changes there, but uh, it's, it's a little hard to talk about uh, Browns and and Raiders because we just, we don't really know who is available uh, right now, who, who is going to be. So uh, I think we're, mostly going to skip over that game and let's just dive into uh Patriots fair, Colts, how much which, would we have talked about it anyway also I mean I think we we could have figured it out like we've <laughs> talked about worse games on this podcast and we've gone too long talking about worse games on this podcast um but, but we'll for the uh for the sake of time we'll just dive right into Patriots Colts which is a a really exciting game um a, a game that if you were like looking at this in the beginning of the season probably would not have thought it would matter uh, a whole lot uh, just based on what we kind of thought these teams really would be. And right now it's like one of the most important games in the AFC, like the 
the Patriots are the one seed. We've kind of talked about their their rise over the past, you know, a couple of weeks from, you know, we've had a lot of discussions about Mac Jones and what that offense really was. And, you know, it was kind of lacking the explosives and it still kind of is a little bit, but like it's so well designed. I think they use their players so well that they're getting around it. And like that defense is so good. Like they, they are the number one seed and like have a significant shot at, coming out as the top seed uh, at the end of the season. Uh, and then the Colts are just are, are playing really good football also. Um, I'm not sure if they'll be able to catch the Titans in uh, in the AFC South just because of how many wins the Titans banked early in the season before they lost everyone. Uh, but when we just kind of go into this, these are two of the better teams uh, in the AFC right now. Uh, and it's really kind of like a, a, a bit of a, a playoff preview here. Yeah, this is this is the game we're looking forward to. So, uh, like you said, you know, if you're gonna skip dinner, this is the one that you want to watch. Uh, you know, this like I said, we've been, I've been high on the Patriots from coming into the season and been more neutral in season. I've been like slow to get over the hump on them in the court of public opinion, just because I want to see them, you know, play some real competition. And this will be one of the first games uh, that we've had. You know, I know I don't really count the Buffalo game. Uh, yeah, too, no snowstorm. Like that's what we said before the <laughs> Buffalo game and, uh, right. and, and the wind just didn't allow that to happen. I'm also curious to see what their approach is here because, you know, obviously you have the narrative people say, well, Bill Belichick is going to try to take away what the other opposition, the, the opposing team wants to do, which is give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, who's on just like this amazing run. He scored a touchdown, 10 straight games. Uh, he's just ripping off yards. The lowest yardage totally had over that span of, in the past 10 games was 97 yards against the Buccaneers, uh, which transitive property is like a 150 yard game against most other teams. And he, he probably could even add 150 yards if he touched the ball in the third quarter in that game uh, because this Patriots its run D hasn't been particularly good. And I don't know if it matters or if it's been by design, but they haven't been good so far this season. I mean, they're 26th in yards for carry a lot of the running backs or 29th in total yards per game, a lot of the opposing backfields. So is it something they can just, you know, dial up and, and, and create a scheme or is this just a strength of the Colts? That's going to be good no matter what. And they should try to just get in situations to make Carson Wentz beat them. Uh, so that, cause you know, Carson Wentz, you know, the, the surrounding narrative for him is kind of a mixed bag, right? A lot of people think he's been excellent. Uh, some people think he's been pretty sketchy. I think this podcast believes he's been pretty sketchy, especially in situations where he's had to throw and had to yep. deliver. Uh, especially, you know, you look at his past seven games, uh, just 6.2 yards for pass attempt. He's 30th in the NFL on completion rate uh, below expectation over that span. But, you know, in terms of like success rate, he's, he's hitting some shot, shot plays and he's making some big plays. Uh, but also, like, it, it just always comes down to him and the four, the Colts and the four Niners keep bringing it up. Like, it's always going to come down to a Carson Wentz throw and a Jimmy Garoppolo throw. And how confident are you in those guys making it? And I think that's why I still like the Patriots here in this particular matchup. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. And I think it's, it is going to be interesting to see how the Colts do approach this. Because like you said, when you know, we looked at that, the Buccaneers game, it was the thing was like, why wasn't Jonathan Taylor getting more touches? And that was the whole story coming out. But the, you know, when the Colts realize like they probably shouldn't be running uh, up the gut uh, against that team, they were more than fine to uh, be putting uh, ha ha dropbacks and and some of it was a little bit of like the play action game. It was some like RPO game too uh, that allowed Wentz to be in a good controlled environment. Like we've you know, have talked about that like this entire season uh, when Wentz is in that kind of controlled environment when things are going well, uh, he's been pretty good and that's 
fine. And that's, if you're the Colts, that's exactly what you want. It's, you're right. When uh, he's, you know, put under pressure uh, in those third and longs, when he like, it is obvious passing situations. That's when the things are, are getting a little iffy and they were kind of like that real early in the season. They've gotten much better at that and having, you know, Jonathan Taylor be able to um, have the, success on early down runs that he's had has allowed them to not be in, in third and long so often. Uh, and that's been a big part of it because, you know, once, um, you know, once the Patriots are getting you in third and long, that's when their blitz packages start coming. Uh, you know, they're, they're this team that's going to, you know, have the, those mugged looks on the, along the line, you know, kind of regardless of, of what down it is. And, regardless of whether they're going to be, you know, blitzing or not, they're only blitzing 18% of the time, which is, you know, 27%, but there's like six or seven guys on the line of scrimmage on every snap. So it it doesn't really matter whether they're blitzing or not. It's still a lot of communication that has to go through the offensive line to figure out who's coming. Because I've I've written about this a couple of times. I wrote about it a uh, a couple of years ago about how, you know, Belichick and and his tree love the three-man rush and kind of, you know, confuse it. And they have um, the highest uh, percentage of a three-man rush at 17% this year. Um, But you just, when they're rushing three, you don't know which three. When they're rushing six, you don't really know which six. When they're rushing four, you don't know which four. And and that's what is allowing them to get, you know, a lot of like one-on-ones with Matt Judon. And, And then when you have the coverage on the back end that they're having, like they are a team that we talk all about the, these two high shells and everything, but the, the Patriots are running one high or single high on 58% uh, of their uh, defensive snaps, which is the third highest. Uh, they're using man coverage uh, at the fifth highest rate. They're using middle of the field close. So like actually running single high coverage at, at the highest rate in the league. And like when you have the good man corners that they have, and like it's, there's not a lot of guys on the Colts who you're really worried that are going to be able to beat man coverage. Like they just don't really have those guys like T Y Hilton is that guy when he's playing the Houston Texans, but isn't really that guy uh, in any other uh, of the games. And, and Michael Pittman hasn't really, you know, been that kind of guy, but uh, Frank Reich has been really good at scheming some of those guys open. So uh, that dynamic there is going to be real interesting. Yeah. You talked about the Jonathan Taylor on early downs and, you know, he's averaging, he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry on first down carries. And his EPA per play is basically double that of the next for highest running back on those carries. Uh, Austin Eckler is in the mix there too. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, the whole key to the offense is, you know, keeping once in rhythm, uh, keeping that offensive leverage, because when you have to drop back and throw, and it's not even fair, like you said, to, to completely just blame cars once it's the weaponry too. Like when the Colts have to are pressed in these situations where they have to play drop back passing game, the defense knows that as well. They just, they're, their best players, Michael Pittman. Uh, in the passing game so yeah. you, you know you just you have a, you're at a disadvantage uh there so they, it was really key that Jonathan Taylor uh you know has the success on early downs uh for the Patriots which could be a strength in playing the Patriots but nobody's been able to stop it so far yeah yeah that's one of those things and you know the the Patriots you know we we kind of think of them like as this like they are like this real physical defense uh, that, you know, probably kind of like matches up well, just like body on body. But like you said, they haven't been as good stopping the run, but like they, because they've been using those, you know, single high coverages, allowing an extra man uh, in the box. They have a stack box 24% of the time this year. That's the third highest in the league. They're only using a white box 48% of the time, which is 28th in the league. So like they are you kind of using some assets uh, to stop the run. It hasn't worked quite as well um but because they're so good at pass coverage like they, they are 
it's like the exact opposite of like the Brandon Staley defense, right? Where they're, you know, using so many, um, especially like the Rams defense, right? From last year where uh, they just had so many good bodies uh, along that defensive line. They didn't also didn't have to use those bodies to stop the run. Uh, The Patriots are kind of uh, the opposite. They don't need that extra guy in coverage because their guys right now are, are so good. And I think they're, they're doing things that are so well, you know, JC Jackson, we've talked about, you know, so much like miles Bryant, a guy who they just like are, it, it's just all of these like role players who are just in the perfect type of role. Miles Bryant being like that, that slot corner, a guy who's been blitzing a, a little bit and kind of play all over, you know, Jalen Mills even has been, you know, much better uh, playing uh, the, the type of, you know, uh, you know, hybrid role that he's playing and they're, they're getting guys back too. I think Chase Winovich is coming back. Josh Uche is coming back. Um, I think Kyle Duggar who misses is coming back off the COVID list. They just, they have a lot of guys coming back too. So um, as well as the Colts have been playing, I just think like the Patriots are, are really good. And we like, we have slow played it on this podcast a little bit, although like we've talked about, you know, some of the things they were doing well, but as like a legitimately good team and like possibly the best team in the AFC, like I think they, they might be there. Yeah, I mean, it's really just come down to, like, you know, like I said, it's just this the stretch is the best team they've beaten is the Chargers, uh, who have been kind of up and down. So it's like, I just want to see, you know, I just need to see these two games versus the Colts and Bills, because I know they're a playoff team, and I know that they're able to win a playoff game, but do I believe they can win three or four playoff games? That's where I'm still, like, hung up in the air. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, yeah, that is just what you want to see. And I mean, we say this also, like, beating up bad teams is a, is a good, positive. It's a yeah, sign of, of, of a good yeah. team. Um, so that's, you know, is, is a point in their favor, but yeah, like you said, um, is, although it, this is a, a time when we don't, there aren't a lot of good teams. So they haven't really, you know, they had the chance and not, not a lot of teams have, have had the chance. So uh, we will see, this is, you know, one of the, the, the marquee games. And I think we've, we've gone so long on this one because uh, there's not a lot of other, you know, good team against a good team, which it's kind of been uh, a lot uh, on this podcast of where we've kind of been uh, looking at it. Like when, when you look at the early slate, like there are interesting games, but like, I don't know how much we want to get into like what Carolina and, and Buffalo are, are, are going to be doing. Um, yeah, for me, this know. is a nightmare because, you know, we record this and don't, we don't acknowledge the Thursday game because by the time it comes out, it's already existed. But the Thursday night game has the highest game total. And then the next highest game total of the weekend involves the Lions. So like this is a, this is like a, a, this is a nightmare slate for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and, you know, I mean, if you guys have listened to this podcast long enough, like, you know, we could go an hour on on Chiefs Chargers. Um, and since you'll be listening to this after that game, we can't really talk about it. I just I kind of want to talk about the Chargers for like 30 minutes. Um, because after watching in the past couple games, like, I think they're really doing so, some good stuff. I had a quick thread on Twitter about some of like the stuff they're doing. That's kind of like opening up uh, like what, what we kind of talked about the Justin Herbert, like hero stuff. And also like just plays that are like opening up things for him. Like they ran weak uh, with Josh Palmer coming off a of motion against the giants. They just, they have some like easier stuff in the offense now. Um, but again, you you've seen whether that works or not on Thursday night, by the time you guys are listening to this. So um Let's let's quickly like we don't need to talk about the Lions at all, but I do want to talk about the Cardinals a little bit because they had that game against the Rams uh, last last Monday, um, and it, it did not go very well for for the Cardinals. It kind of it looked a little like twenty twenty Cardinals ish, um, 
And now, you know, DeAndre Hopkins out for the rest of the regular season. And I think that is kind of a big hit. Um, but the, they've also like been able to figure out some things. And one of the reasons I think talked about it on last week's show where Hopkins was actually running more isolation routes and had a higher percentage of his targets, like, uh, as an isolated receiver than he had in 2020, but because there were other things in the offense, um, it, it didn't seem like as much of a problem. And they're running a more like 11 and 12 personnel uh, over the past couple of weeks. I think like since week 10, they've only ran uh, like 8%, um, 10 personnel, which is it's still one of the highest rates in the league, but and not where like we thought the Cardinals might be. So I think they do have some mix and match spots. I think they've been doing some, some good stuff with, with Zach Ertz. Um, but I think it's going to be real interesting uh, of how this offense kind of is, uh, adjusts a little bit early in the season. It was a lot of Kyler making just incredible plays. And I think they kind of put him in that spot Um against the Rams too, where like there were some open throws that, that were missed down the field, but like, it, it really seemed like it was like all on Kyler's plate and there wasn't a lot of help uh, being given out like through kind of the scheme and stuff. And uh, I think that the, the run game just hasn't really been that good outside of what Murray has been able to do. I think it's 24th in DVOA right now. Uh, and I think we saw that on, on the fourth and one where they just, they couldn't block anybody. And I could think it was like against a white box on fourth and one, and they could not block, uh, uh, anyone uh, on that um, on that Connor run, so uh, I just, I think there there are a few more changes. I, I think we need to see for the Cardinals for them to like really turn it on uh, in the next couple of weeks, especially now that like they probably are not going to get that number one seed uh, because that loss to the Rams uh, allowed Tampa and the Packers to jump in front of them. Yeah, you know I I, I go to bat for Cliff last week, and then uh, you know it's okay. I am too. I still think he's doing a pretty good job. No, uh, that was a that I mean, listen, that game on Monday night was a star game. You know, Kyler throws that interception in the red zone early in the game when it, they could go up, you know, what, 10 nothing to yeah. start, and maybe and that changes the trajectory of the game. But for the Rams side, I think that was a star game. Like this is what the Rams like have built their team up around, right? Like having all of these, you know, top-notch assets and all their stars came to play Monday night. Matthew Stafford was absolutely incredible on Monday night. Uh, Aaron Donald was absolutely a, a, oh, a sensational in that game. Like he was just disrupting every single play. Uh, and then, you know, you had great performances from Cooper cup. Odell played, looked really good. I know he's not gonna play this week, but it was a star game. Like the Rams, like how they built their team, like the, the, the every, everything came uh, to a crescendo of like what, how they want to play football. Uh, and then, you know, that the Cardinals just gave them a couple outs and they took it and they ran away with it. But uh, I'm so high in the Cardinals overall. Like you said, it's going to be one of these things where no one's going to really believe in them until they do it because they're the team that doesn't get like any of the credit uh, because they're the, one of the younger teams in the, in the NFL. Uh, the, as you said, the running game has been bad. They're going to get Chase Edmonds back here too to add another like diverse piece over the stretch. When Hopkins and Kyler missed those, three games before you know uh the bears game i thought that's when cliff was almost at his best he was using yep. like players creatively ronald moore was getting involved zach Ertz was way more involved you look at zach Ertz's splits with and without deandre hopkins in the field is, is way his usage is way up um you know they're playing guys like antoine wesley uh they're forced to do different things and i think that makes you know a head coach you know better we can actually see what they're about and and i thought that was really promising for cliff kingsbury whereas earlier in the season we had matt lafleur coach a game without aaron Rodgers and 
kind of did a bunch of bad things, like put his, put his team in a bad spot. So I'm excited to still see what he does here without Hopkins. I, you know, obviously when they get the playoffs, you want a guy like DeAndre Hopkins on the field, um, oh, yeah. but this is a get, get right spot for them. If you need one, if you need to just come off yeah. of a, a loss that you kind of have some disdain for you, you head to Detroit uh, who's been game uh, more or less this season, but uh, they're not going to, they're not going to lose the lions. No, no, no. And, but, but I think to, to kind of further your point, one of the, things I was optimistic about the going into like this late season stretch for the Cardinals was how good Cliff was in those games without Kyler and scheming everything around Colt McCoy and making that offense functional and having it kind of um, deteriorate. Yeah. And I was kind of like ex- expecting a little more of like that type of stuff to happen now with Kyler. And I'm not totally sure we got as much of that as, you know, maybe we were hoping uh, in that Rams game, but we'll see how that, you know, continues and maybe not having DeAndre Hopkins is going to kind of flip that switch for them to need to have that uh, again um, you know, over the next couple of games. But that, that was kind of the thing I, I was really hoping for that maybe some of those schematic things were, were really going to take, uh, you know, another leap forward uh, now that Kyler was back, but I, I think we'll see, but yeah, again, this is not a, a game we really have to worry about uh, against the Lions, but just kind of what that offense does look like is going to be, uh, you know, something to to watch going forward. Yeah, they um, still have outs, uh, you know, I mean, they, yeah. they have games too, where if like you like say, well, oh, the Cardinals lost to the Colts, they lost to the Cowboys, you wouldn't be surprised, but like also on the other end of the spectrum too, like they could beat those teams too. So it's interesting to see how they finish the season here and how they head into the postseason. Cause we know from years of doing this, like it's all about like, how do you enter the postseason? Are you playing your best football uh, then or not? And the other Cowboys are in that same boat right now. Like what do we really have with the Cowboys? Right. Like, yeah. Is your, is your high end good enough to beat good teams? And for the Cardinals, that answer is absolutely yes. Um, and for the, for the Cowboys, I think it, it is, too uh you know this is another week where you know we don't have to oh, we're going to talk about the cowboys a little bit but we don't have to worry about whether they're going to win because they are playing the giants um who are going to be uh, uh the the giants saw how the uh, the panthers handled uh cam newton and pj walker and said what if we did that with mike lennon and jake Fromm?" so that that's where that's where the giants are going to be on offense. why not just play like from though like why not uh, because he's probably going to be very bad. Sure. But um, <laughs> it's all bad. Right. So uh, anyway, let's, I mean, we'll, we'll be going to, well, so let's, let's talk about the Dallas defense then, because like, that's what they're going to be going against. We saw last week, what, oh, yeah. uh, having, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, Brandy Gregory come back, uh, means for, you know, Mika Parsons, because that was, um, you know, Mika Parsons just, he, he had himself a game, but his biggest plays actually came when he was blitzing from the second level. And I think when you have uh, uh, Lawrence and Gregory back there on the defensive line, you have those guys as the two edge rushers and you have Mika Parsons now blitzing from the second level. Not only is he like a, a guy who can win the one-on-one blocks, then you have him, you know, matched up against running backs or, or tight ends in, in pass protection. And he's going to win that every time the, the one, uh, I think the, the third down sack uh, he had uh, matched up against Antonio Gibson 
And zero out of 100 times is Antonio Gibson going to win that matchup when you have Parsons running at full speed from the second level coming in the interior uh, and Gibson has to step up from that. Like he's never going to win that rep. And, and I think that's some of the creative things you're going to have Mika Parsons doing. I think you want him on the edge, you know, much more often than you do have him as, you know, playing an actual off-ball linebacker. But when you can have him rushing from there and then you still have two really good edge rushers also rushing like that's going to make this Dallas defense just uh, like really dangerous uh heading into the playoffs like that's just an element they have that makes it really special and they've already been an aggressive defense before you know with with Randy Gregory and DeMarcus Lewis missing so much time and you know now they're just going to dial it up you saw it I mean that's one we we did nail last week I mean and Dallas tried to make it interesting at the end there Dak did but that was one where it was like listen the Cowboys are going to flood this Washington offense like it's and that absolutely you know played out to a T and they're gonna be able to do that to a number of teams now that you've got like three legit pass rushers and you have aggressive cornerbacks. I mean, give Dan Quinn some credit. Like he's, this is not how he's coached defense, then, you know, and called defensive games uh, over the course of his career. So it, it is nice to see, you know, they're out of the Mike Nolan dredges uh, to be now we just get Dak back on track because, you know, this offense has yeah. had, th- this offense has had a lot of moving parts, you know, and Tyron Smith's not going to play again this week, but he's been banged up. They've been rotating offensive linemen. Uh, the running game has died. They are now 30th in the NFL in percentage of yardage gained from rushing uh, in the NFL over the past eight weeks, uh, which is not really kind of their MO. They're more of a balanced offense. Like when Kellamore was in his bag early in the season, it's when they were neutral, right? Like they were able to do everything. He's using both backs out of the backfield. He's taking play action shots. He's, he's And then it's when Dak looked his best. You got Dak dealing with a calf injury. We've had the receivers kind of miss time a little bit. You know, uh, Mari's been off the field a couple games. He Lamb missed a game and a half. So they've had a lot of moving parts that I think have played into it just outside of the calf injury. I feel like it's it's too easy to say just like, oh, well, the calf injury. I think there's been a lot of other things that have gone into play too as well for Dak. But he's also had two really good games in this sample as well too. So it just could be just variance. This could be a real good spot for him to, to be right uh, against this Giants defense. So uh, we're, we're they're another team. We're just looking for them to finish strong, but we have to get, see this offensive line get healthy. And as much as we say, like we, we don't care about the running game or like there's still important aspects to it and getting Tony Pollard and Ezekiel at healthy is a big deal for the, for the Cowboys offense. Yeah. That's going to be, you know, one of uh, the keys here is it's, it's not just, you know, it, I think there's the, the the dynamic they're they're trying to to play with here of um, yeah I think there are people in that organization who want Ezekiel Elliott to have like this huge workload um, but also if he's not healthy like I think you should be probably scaling that back and, and having him healthy for um, you know the the playoff run so I think they they need to, to balance that a little bit and I'm, I think they're and with, with uh, as Pollard was out last week they didn't really have much of a choice. Um, but yeah, in that passing offense, it's just like they were this offense that we, we talked about, you know, early in the season, they were doing like a whole bunch of things and they weren't doing like a lot of things often, but everything they did, they did really well. And they're still kind of, you know, doing that like a, a little bit of everything, but it's just, it hasn't been like as 
Good. Um, so right now, you know, they're only using motion of 47% of the time since uh, Dak came back in, in week nine. That's 12th in the league, but they're 26 in success rate when they're using that. They're only using play action 13% of the time, which is 31st uh, in the league. So they don't have like a lot of those, you know, kind of structured plays that they were, you know, using not a lot. Uh, early in the season, but they were, they had so many good concepts off of those things. Um, and they, they just haven't been hitting quite as much, you know, it, it, whether it's, you know, the, the calf injury or not, like Dak's been like missing some things high when he's been, um, you know, a little rush in the pocket and trying to, you know, push some things out before, before he's a little ready to. Um, and I think that's been a concern. That's where some of like these interceptions have come from the past couple games. So, um, you know, I I don't think that's something that's going to continue. I don't think we should have like a, a long-term concern uh, about the Cowboys offense, but there are a couple things that they need to, you know, figure out over the next uh, couple weeks um, for it to, you know, really turn on as, as they hit the playoffs because like they're, they're going to make the playoffs. Like there's for, you know, Washington's chance was, was last week. And we kind of saw what, what Washington was. Um, so uh, the, we've the done Cowboys, that with like the every yeah. NFC team, right? Like, uh, like we've been right. like toying with like this bottom of the NFC, like, well, it could be this team. It could be this team. I'm still kind of like loosely hanging on to the Eagles here, <laughs> but yeah, we Eagles yeah, had their yeah, shot. Sure. But yeah. The Eagles had their shot a couple weeks ago and you can't lose that game to the giants. Like you just can't lose it. Like if we, if you want to be taken seriously, um, but I'm here for CD land backfield touches. Let me give some more, CD, CD land backfield touches. Sure. And like, it, 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 I think like it, it should be like in a way where it's, um, you know, a, a Debo uh, type of way, right? Like he's, he's lined up in the backfield and like, he's like taking some like inside zone, like handoffs. Um, but if you can now get like CD lamb, like coming across in like a jet motion or on an end around or something. And now you have like the defenders have to like worry about that as like an actual thing that might get the ball. I think that adds like another dynamic to this Cowboys offense that that could help them a little bit. So maybe, maybe I think we see a little, a little more gadgety stuff just uh, as they try to, you know, figure out uh, what, what's going on and try to kind of kickstart this offense again uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, all right. One game I really do want to talk about is that Cincinnati and Denver, because uh the Bengals and 49ers game was, uh, it was crazy, uh, uh, last week. Um, and, and the Bengals, you know, were, weren't able to you know pull it out, but and everything they did, it was like, I, right. I'm like really sold on Joe Burrow right now. Like the more I watch him and I, I wrote the article on him last about week. About, like, I, so no, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah that is that's kind of where the disconnect uh comes in so i, I wrote the article last week about like kind of like what's going on with the bengals deep passing because it was so good uh early in the season it kind of disappeared um in the second half of the season uh but a lot of the process w- was still there and i think we even saw that uh early with the the Jamar Chase you know, drop that that could have been uh, a touchdown in that San Francisco game. Um, you know, Burrow is is still putting the ball uh, in the spot where where it needs to be on those deep passes. So even when he had like I think over you know the last couple of games he had like a twenty one percent completion percentage on throws that were twenty or more air yards, but he was still like fifth in on target rate um, from Sports Info Solutions. And I went back and watched them, and like they are exactly what you would want those passes to look like. They looked exactly like they did in the beginning of the season when they were connecting on like a fifty percent rate. 
And then we saw it in the fourth quarter when they needed to throw and come back, like those throws were there and they worked. Um, I think Burrow is in that, at that Prescott range, I think where we kind of like talked about him early in the season where the pre-snap and post-snap recognition are just so good. The processing there, like he's not putting the ball in a spot where it's going to be dangerous. And I think a lot of his interceptions are kind of on those deep balls where like, it is kind of like a 50, they're never 50, 50, but like the, in those kind of contested catch situation type things, like he's, he's never, uh, you know, throwing one of those interceptions where it's like straight to the linebacker that he doesn't see, like, it's just not in that spot. So I think, you know, they, they wanted to get that run game going a, a little bit. They wanted it more involved. And then, I think over the past couple of weeks, it's like been only the run game. And uh, I think they, they need to, they need to back away uh, from that because it's just like their, their strength right now is letting Burrow uh, do what he does. Well, they have three really good wide receivers with a, a good tight end. Um, if they can pepper like some of those downfield shots uh, just uh, like a little more often and get them maybe earlier uh, in the game, man, this is, I think this is still like a real tough offense to stop. Yeah. I mean, they we talked about the, the game against the 49ers last week and what they should do with the 49ers cornerback <laughs> situation and right. they did the exact opposite i mean they just they just stuck with the run so long i know they had two special teams miscues that gave the 49ers points in that game mm. but they they stuck with the the run game so long. i mean through three quarters it was 21 passes 21 runs and the, joe mixon had 34 yards on, on it was getting 2.4 yards per carry uh also like this the offensive line has like it wasn't a problem like for the middle of the season and now it's starting to be a problem i mean he's been sacked 11 times the past two games um that's pretty rough uh so it's starting to become a problem uh so it's it's kind of like a like this or that like are they running the ball because they just feel like they can't pass protect uh, and not doing the things that we, we believe that they should be doing uh, because they should be throwing the ball more than they are. I mean, it's been way too neutral. When they got hot in the middle of the season, it's when that, uh, you know, pass rate over expectation started to come down. And now it's, it's, it's just completely flipped and been back up. And they, they have this like crazy, you know, fourth quarter and overtime performance, you know, from Burrow. Uh, you know, he threw for 210 yards and fourth quarter and overtime, both of his touchdowns. And you should add a, a, a maybe a potential touchdown to chase earlier in the game, but. Just yeah, and, and kind of, to, kind of to, to go back to that, like the the early down runs and everything, like that throw to Chase was his only deep shot. Yeah, uh, like until the fourth quarter, um, and it's just like, why? It, not only like with the San Francisco like cornerback situation, but they, like they were just in general one of the worst teams uh, against deep passes um, this uh, entire season. So like, why, why weren't you throwing deep more often? And like, again, you know, Burrow has been getting sacked. It's a little bit uh, on him, but they, they do have that, like that quick game that works so well. They are like, he, I think still processes really well. And I think they have like, can have some like design rollouts to, to get him out of the pocket and well, I give a little more time. Like they're, they're not doing that like that much only, you know, five percent, uh, what is it? Over the past the couple of weeks, only 5% uh, of their uh, plays have been like designed rollouts. I think you can, you know, get that number uh, a little higher. That's like 23rd um, in the league. We can always so, raise it. We can always raise it no matter yeah, what. Yeah, you, you can always, yeah, you can always <laughs> be more often. Um, 
And, and then I, I think we're, we're seeing like more you know, big plays out of boots, just like league wide. I think a lot of teams are, are more willing to throw downfield off boots when like it was so often just having that like shallow crosser, uh, you know, coming uh, along with the boot. And you just kind of had that little dump off. Um, and those were some of the plays. But I think we're seeing, you know, teams throw down the field more often. Um, and I think that's something, you know, Cincinnati uh, could add. Like, yeah, like I just think. Uh, the, the talent in place in Cincinnati right now is really good. I think it's being held back by the, by the coaching uh, just a, a little bit. And I think they could just like, if they allowed the players to just, you know, do what they do well all the time, like this would be like just such a dangerous team. And, and it might, that might happen against Denver, which, you know, they are, it, it, this is like the, the Fangio defense, but I think they're you know, kind of susceptible to some of these outside deep targets. Cause I think that's going to be, you know, you can hit some of those holes um, in the, in the too high shell uh, a little bit. So um, and I, yeah, I, th- I think Cincinnati, kind of roles here and i kind of hope they do because that should be what they do um and so if we're going to have any trust in them going forward like they they kind of need to have uh a really good game here yep on board with that yeah i mean that's where denver denver has, has been good but they've given up some big big plays in the past yep. game this season you know you go back to a couple weeks ago and they had you know faced Devontae smith you know he's he's taking big plays downfield uh they're actually they're, they're decent on like a, a per play basis but they've given up nine touch nine deep ball touchdowns which is tied for the most in the league so they will give up some big plays so you know hopefully we get we get chase kind of floating here the broncos are a, a weird team because they're like a complete purgatory team right like they're they're yeah. they're it to a t like they are the purgatory team they're gonna beat bad teams they'll be they'll they'll fight against some good teams like we've seen they, they fought they beat the chargers uh they fought with the chiefs or hung around they really never really had a chance to win that game but they you know uh, right. you know, hung around, they beat the Cowboys, like, you know, they're able to do that. And then you, you lose the case Keenum, you know, they're, they're capable, you know, it's, it's a complete purgatory team. Uh, you know, as much as, you know, we like Teddy as a, as a player, like he's, he, he, we're gotta get we're, we're looking for the the upgrade here because there's too many good offensive players in the Broncos for their offense to be what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, you know, one of the, I mean, these receivers, we- the Broncos receivers, like there's, we talked about the Bengals receivers. Like this is, it's not as good as the Bengals, but like Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, uh, Noah Fant, uh, Albert O. Like this is, that's a lot of talent. Uh, uh, and, you, and you don't even count the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon yet. Like it's way too much offensive talent. And to have these receivers, look at these game logs for these wide receivers on this, on this team. I mean, the last time a Denver receiver even scored a touchdown was week nine like that's too much talent to not get production out of yeah and i think that's one of those things where like they i just don't think they really like know how to use it at all and i think they understand the talent they have and it's just like not really putting them in position to you know take advantage of it i think the best person they've done that with is like tim patrick like they've figured out the perfect Tim Patrick role, but that's kind of come at the expense of, of everyone else. I think you, like, and they, they recognize the talent. They give Cortland Sutton the, uh, the big extension. And then he goes out and what, it's like two targets, right? Like, wasn't, wasn't that the, the how you followed that up? Um, I mean, it's, it's the Cortland Sutton used to just crazy. The dude is just out here exercising. Like, it, I mean, he, they're not, he's not getting the ball. Like not, they're not even taking those downfield shots. Like they were earlier in the season when he was, you know, like the air yards King and, you know, but the, he's, it's not even getting, getting looked at at all. Yeah. It's, it's, 
I don't know. Definitely a little, a little dysfunctional here. It's just like, it's, it's fine. Uh, but like, yeah, as you expect, if they had, you know, other quarterback play, um, uh, maybe a, a little better design, like things, things would be happening. And, and maybe that's, you know, that that's a next year thing. That's probably potentially one of the things that's going to, um, well, that staff probably doesn't get shaken up. Right. Like probably not. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I guess that, we'll that's see. another purgatory area, right? Like we just don't know. Like, yeah, that's another thing. But I think, you know, potentially some of the talent they have is what, you know, makes them uh, potentially inviting for uh, another oh, yeah. one of these, the the uh, carousel of potential veteran quarterback movement uh, that we might see uh, this offseason. So, uh, you know, we'll see there. But yeah, for for right now, I think, yeah, Denver's just kind of this team that's that's fine. Uh, but uh, a team like Cincinnati, who well could be a little better than that, you know, it should be able to um, uh, hold them uh, here. And I think that's that's, that's what we should be uh, expecting going forward. So, uh, there's, you know, a couple more games, like I kind of want to talk to Seattle Rams, but we also like, don't know who's playing in, in that game. Um, right. Like the, the Rams crossed. Yeah. yeah we, we, right. Um, I swear and, and if Cooper goes, Cup uh, ends up on a COVID list saying, I'm going to melt that. I'm going to melt that. And, and again, <laughs> uh, we are recording this on, on a Thursday. Uh, you are listening to it on a Friday, um, at, at least, uh, so we we don't know what's happened in the you know day and a half uh, from recording to when this is released. So um, yeah, I think we you know bet. so like Odell Beckham who you know, finally like it looked like Odell, Odell Beckham right like they got him uh, involved in a way that like it Cleveland never really like was able to do uh, just in the way he was uh, being schemed open the way he was, you know, getting some of those one-on-ones um, and then the way he was targeted, like when he was the open. Um, yeah. I think that that opened up a, a lot and that we still had, you know, the, the Van Jefferson uh, thing was there, you know, Cooper cups always going to be there. So I think if you still have, you know, Jefferson and cup, it's going to, you know, you'll be able to pick on the Seattle corners. It is not going to be uh, an issue whether they have a, a run game or not with whoever is going to, you know, Sony Michelle, I think should be able to play. Um, but we'll see, but I think that there are a lot of, you know, good things going for, for the Rams here and I think they could, you know, potentially still be, you know, using that positive uh, momentum that they got a little bit from from the Cardinals game. Um, at Seattle, I, I want to talk about Tyler Lockett uh, for a little bit. There's going to be a post on him uh, that should be on the website by the time uh, you are reading this. Uh, Tyler Lockett is having like one of the best deep receiving seasons that we've seen in like years, and uh, just because of everything that's gone on in Seattle, we haven't like really talked about it um, at, at all. Um, he has. Uh, 622 uh, deep receiving yards um, on throws that are uh, 20 or more air yards. The next highest is Cooper Cup at 420. That is a 202-yard difference, um, which is absolutely uh, insane. Uh, like Lockett is having like just one of the best actual um, you know, through tw- since 2015 which is uh, as far back as uh, Sports Info Solutions charting goes. Uh, Tyler Lockett's 622 uh, deep receiving yards are the most uh, of, of any 
receiver. Um, the next highest uh, was Tyreek Hill in 2018, which was 582. So like we're just getting Tyler Lockett like on these like deep crosses and some of these like double moves. Um, and like that's the one thing that's like really working for this Seattle offense. So uh, I just wanted to take a, a little bit of time because we haven't really like talked about it or like acknowledged it at all. But like he is having it's kind of sometimes at the expense of DK Metcalf, which I think we've we've talked about a little bit. But like. <laughs> for everything that else that has gone wrong with the Seattle offense, like Tyler Lockett on deep passes uh, has, has been the one thing that has been like insanely good. Um, and just like kind of so many of the other like small things in the offense just haven't been going well, which has kind of brought it down a little bit, but uh, Tyler Lockett, very good at football. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been, I actually wrote about that too in the worksheet last week about them facing Houston, how bad Houston was too against the deep ball and how it screamed kind of being a Tyler Lockett spot instead of a DK spot. Oh, it was. Yeah. And it oh, was, it was, and it yeah. was. Uh, honestly, dude, if you listen to the podcast I did with Matt Harmon, who does like all the reception perception charting, he actually talked about how Seattle's kind of, you know, they, they, they face, they put so much of an emphasis on getting DK Metcalf, like more like diverse route tree this year that it's almost taken away from him. Cause it's, they're only throwing deep to lock it and not to Metcalf. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not, so like DK has been kind of relegated and kind of like, a you know, running like digs and like comebacks and like, you know, out routes and stuff like that. Uh, Cause the disparity in terms of like targets, even 15 yards or further downfield, it's Tyler Lockett at 37 DK Metcalf 25. Like it's so like DK has actually lost a lot of that. And it's been kind of, they've kind of compartmentalized these guys, you know, a little bit, which is actually the opposite of what you'd want to do with both players. But here we are with the Seahawks. It's listen, a long list of problems with Seattle this year. There's that, but yeah, Lockett's still smashing. Uh, It will be exciting to see like just if Ramsey is able to come back and play this matchup, because there's a little bit of a rivalry going there. That's starting to like to starting to to come together with with Metcalf and Ramsey. Uh, So definitely be looking for that. Um, if he's able to play, but the Seattle team, like you look at it even last week, like they're just so contingent on, do they hit those big plays or not? Right. You have yeah. touchdowns of 55 yards, uh, 47 yards, 32 yards with uh, the vindication of four years or shot penny pick came to one game crescendo. Uh, but then you still like, there's just no play. They run fewer than 60 plays again against the Texans. It's, it's just, are you going to hit the big play or not? And are the Rams going to be a team that are going to, that you're going to hit that big play on? It could be, I mean, they actually had these teams played early in the year. They had all kinds of downfield opportunities and that was with the game where Ramsey played uh I don't know if you remember the play that Ross actually had the mallet finger injury like Tyler Lockett was wide open on like yeah. a deep ball uh they had they they were making plays in the game and Gino came in and pushed the ball a little bit too in that game so I mean they, they could be game uh, it's Seattle what are we going to get uh you know the thing of this is like if you're going to bet on one unit that's absolutely the worst thing in this game it's the Seattle defense and are they going to slow down the Rams we had talked about on the Rams and everyone was kind of getting like kind of up in arms it's like listen they don't throw a pick six in one of these games it's probably <laughs> going to be okay you know they don't turn the ball over the last two games the offense looks a lot better Stafford was incredible on Monday night you know no Odell does kind of just it just removes another asset now because now you're down Robert Woods and you're down Odell and you're gonna you, you basically reverted to being an 11 personnel team already when Johnny Monk got injured and now you're gonna run like Ben Skoranek out there for 100% of the snaps like so it does it does hurt a little bit um, but I still have you know more a lot more faith in just this Rams offense versus Seattle defense than any other unit versus the other side in this game. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I just yeah, and especially because I think we have seen them like they can potentially rely on the run game, which we saw, you know, two weeks ago. Um, 
they had no problem giving uh, Tony Michelle like 25 carries. And I, I think maybe, you know, we see that as, but it might not be the most fun game to watch uh, in that sense. Cause it might just be uh, two teams uh, establishing the shit out of the run. Um, so, so we'll see just get well, one because of uh, maybe necessity and, and two, because on the other side of the ball, that's uh, still what Seattle you know wants to do. Give Seattle credit though, you know, for this whole thing of everything going on. And you know, they've had what they had one positive COVID test last year, one false positive this year, by far the lowest rate in any team. So they're doing it right. Someone needs to get with their program. Yeah, it, it really, I think like we need to kind of figure that out. I, I wonder like how much the like actual like build of some of these team facilities like play into it. Um, and maybe Seattle just like has more spaced out just in general. Like I kind of wonder because like we have seen just, you know, some of these teams are like Cleveland is just a team that's been more. Uh, last year, Cleveland had a spike, and, remember? Yeah. They, remember they yeah. lost so to the like, Jets last year because they had no wide receivers. Right. So it's like because of uh, – because like Cleveland is, is a team that happened again, like I, I wonder if like just the way the facility is built like puts them on top of each other more often and um, that kind of leads to – you know, being more susceptible to, to a spread, but yeah, Seattle been doing a great job and they're a team that has not been uh, impacted uh, at all. Um, and you would kind of hope that would help them a little bit, but everything else is kind of, there, there are some, some other uh, big problems uh, in Seattle uh, outside of that. So, um, you know, there's a couple more games here. I think you know, Green Bay Baltimore would be a great game, but I think Lamar Jackson's status still up in the air, at least uh, as we're recording Don't it you right turn now. Your back and on as, Tyler and as much as I want, hey, listen, man, he was like third <laughs> in uh, completion percentage over expectation last week. I think he he did well for you know what they need them to do, but I think we've just kind of you know as we've talked about Baltimore just so often, like the the passing concepts are just not yeah. Like you, you need someone to, to play that, that hero ball, uh, to be able to, you know, bail that offense out. And it's, uh, it's the, the tough for, you know, Lamar Jackson to do, uh, it's tougher for Tyler Huntley to do. Um, I think we, we finally saw uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, yeah, they've dusted him off finally. a little bit. There we go. So, you know, that, that's something to look forward to. So I who knew, they, right? Like he, he was just good. Like you need, they need him. <laughs> like every week we were just like, Hey, well, if, if Rashad Bateman can, can step up, like the, he is the type of receiver they need to help fix this offense right now. And the Ravens were just like, no, what if, what if we don't? Um, and then they finally what did. We get and Devin it, and DuVernay some touches. Hey, listen, man, I, I love some, some Devin DuVernay. I think he, he has a role in the offense. Probably should not be, you know, number three receiver or number two receiver, uh, at, at some point to have with how Baltimore has gone. Um, but I think one of the things is like this Green Bay defense has been, uh, you know, up and down a little bit, but like one of the things they have really done well um, over the past uh, couple weeks are, are really the, in the entire season as they kind of adapted the, this daily, you know, type of Fangio type of show is like teams are just not completing deep passes uh, against them. Um, and I think that that really goes to what uh, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage have been able to do um, on that back end. So like uh, while the cornerback situation has been just like completely up and down all season where they've been, you know, working through injuries and stuff like those safeties have been playing really well. Um, so it, I think even if you're Baltimore and you're trying to get like some of those shot plays, I'm not totally sure that happens against the Packers, uh, no matter who's playing uh, quarterback. So um, yeah, I think the, 
uh, this would be more interesting if the, these teams were like really at full strength and we kind of had a Baltimore offense that was clicking in a way that it was earlier in the season. Like even when it wasn't like really structured well, but it was like Lamar Jackson, like doing some really cool things. We just like, I don't have that right now. Cause it's, it's, uh, we've talked about it. It's so hard to sustain. Um, so uh, I'm not totally sure, you know, how much that's that's going to help them, uh, whether Ogomar is on the field uh, or not in this game. I mean, the Ravens are in, they're just in a world of hurt right now. I mean, on multiple I mean, levels. Yeah, I, it's, it, it kind of feels like it, it might be like, this is kind of what we should want for the Ravens, uh, where they're not bad enough to, to bottom out or like where the entire structure of the team is in trouble but like maybe just enough where like maybe we should be starting to think that greg roman probably is not the offensive coordinator uh that should be uh going for for the future yeah i saw the uh, Stephen Marie's article on this it was pretty it was pretty solid you know just yeah. about like because we've seen with lamar like the growth but like the next evolution now is probably to have the offense now open up you know it, it, right. it opened up out of necessity in terms of like like pass run splits but like in terms of concepts, like we've been talking about that all year too, uh, that it might be finally time, especially with them not having like a, a you know, the, the run game that they've had the past years, but still running that same scheme has been restrictive to the passing game as well. So it'll be interesting to play that. But I mean, you get, you're talking about Packers this week, uh, potentially without Lamar and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely insane the past three games. Uh, and then you're talking about going on the road to Cincinnati, a team that you already got flooded by in your house because you tried to blitz Joe Burrow a ton. Uh, then you play the Rams and then you finish with the Steelers. So like you, it's not, it's not a good outlook right now. And I took the Ravens second in our team draft. Uh, and it's, it's not looking real good for me right now. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough place. And, you know, with, you know, for a, a credit to the Ravens for all they've gone through this season to like still oh, yeah. be in this position where it took until now for them to like, kind of look like they might bottom out a little bit, but um, yeah, yeah, it's it, a bummer that it, that's kind of with this situation they've been put in, but um, also the going for two down 15 thing like we like could we put him i don't know anyone listen to this podcast but we got to put a moratorium on that yeah because it's yeah, not if, it's not air quote analytic there's nothing there's no and it's not analytics it's, it's not even an analytics thing it's a it's, common sense uh, thing <laughs> yeah, right like it's being down eight is not a one score game first of all okay like, that's <laughs> so so that's like uh, like to even like put analytics aside here right. um uh, the the people who are upset about it are doing it because they missed the two-point conversion. So how are you then in your head thinking that an eight-point game is is a one-score game and the two-point conversion is automatic after that? Like, how how is that not clicking in your head? And like the whole CBS crew thing, like, man. Um, so it, there was actually a, a fun, like, 15-minute stretch one day, like, last I mean, week. They have a I- literal guy named Boomer on the set, so... Um, there, there was like a 15 minute stretch, uh, last week somehow, uh, in like New York media where Phil Sims was uh, being talked about as a potential, uh, front office candidate for the giants oh, uh, next season. And like, and then like that video came out like a couple of days after and it's just like, yeah, man, like that's, that's, that's what you'd be getting. Um, so yeah, again, like it, it, the numbers like don't even have to like play out again. Like it, it's, it's so, you know. Um, and, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you probably know the reasoning for 
like when teams are going forward for two uh, in that place. But like an eight point game is not is not a one score game. It's a and one there was pos- no it's a one possession game. And there was no placebo effect. The Ravens still played hard the rest of the way. Right. And and the other thing too is when you miss the two pointer, you also force the other team to still kind of be incentivized to play conservative and to do suboptimal things with the football. Uh, that happened to the Browns earlier in the season when they played the Chargers. The Chargers missed an, an, an extra point, which could have tied the game. And then the Browns came out and played, called three conservative play calls because they wanted to burn clock and punted the ball back to the Chargers. And the Chargers went right down the field and scored. So yeah. you also incentivize their team to still continue to call a conservative game plan. Yeah, the, the entire conversation around this is yeah, so dumb. I just wanted, uh, yeah, just wanted to... And like, <laughs> especially like with John Harbaugh, who is like the most like it, of all coaches, and maybe like Brandon Staley could do this if he if he needed to. But like, there is no one better at explaining why he's yes. done these things than than John Harbaugh. Well, it's two weeks in a row. It's uh, almost so, like yeah. the court of public opinion in terms of big NFL and all these talking suits are that John Harbaugh's lost the Ravens back to back games. Which is the furthest yeah. thing from the truth of anything possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, uh, man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so uh, before we end, let's quickly, I guess, hit Sunday night. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay is, yeah, I mean, they're they're good. Um, I, I don't know how much you know, further we need to, to go into there. Like in New Orleans is... You know they're they're doing the the Saints thing. I guess they we're still we're still doing the Taysom Hill thing, which um, not very good passing and and a long run occasionally. Uh, whether that is going to happen against Tampa, I, I like I guess you know Tampa has like allowed some you know quarterback runs um, this year, but like that, that can't bad. be the whole offense. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's been bad. Uh, you know, and it, the the Josh Allen you know component too. Like it's a double edged sword, right? Like you give up production to Josh Allen the way they they call it design runs, but he can also throw too. So there's kind of like a duality to it, whereas you can kind of game plan around Taysom Hill running because you're not scared of Marcus Callaway and Traquan Smith and, 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 and some of the assets that the, the Saints have. I will say, though, like when you look at the history of these two teams playing, like Sean Payton has found a way to, to really kind of scheme some stuff open versus this defense. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the three of the four games since Todd Bowles has been there, they've scored 30 or more points. And that includes earlier in the season when Jameis gets knocked out of the game they still put together drives with Trevor Simeon coming in that game. So like Sean Payton has put together some game plans here, but we're really relying, I think on the passing execution of Taysom Hill. And it's such a gray area. Um, he actually has been really good against the blitz and is like the very small sample he's played, which is interesting. I, th- I, I expected it to be opposite. Sometimes when you look something up, you're just like, yeah, it's going to go here. And that's, like, Oh, well, this is interesting. And it's probably because like Taysom Hill, like is, and it makes sense now that I put it together is because Taysom Hill, if you just give him one read, that's probably fine. But anytime he has to drop back and play quarterback, it's, it's an action. It's a, it's a problem. Uh, so that now that I put all that stuff together, it's like, yeah, if you just come in hot, he makes his hot read, he throws it, jams in his slant to Michael Thomas, uh, you know, we move on. Uh, but when you actually play zone or you, you force him to make reads and get to a second, third read, it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when, uh, you know, the, the Buccaneers are getting healthier, uh, along the defense too, in that corner, uh, where we're seeing, you know, some of those guys uh, start to to come back uh, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't have very high expectations for, for also, what do you think about the, uh, the bills game plan last week? So a lot of people are up in arms about the not giving a running back touch thing, but it was, it, it was the seventh 
highest rushing game in terms of EPA a team has had this season. Right. So I think, uh, and I think a, a little bit of it was, um, no, I think uh, like Nate Tice uh, pointed this out, uh, I think on Twitter, uh, a lot of those, they were, they were running a bunch of RPOs where it yeah. was just the, the, the call was to throw. Um, and then in the second half, they, they handed them off a little bit when, when teams were, were playing back. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't you know too concerned about it. Like they, they don't have a, they still don't have a very good run blocking offensive line. It's been good in pass protection. That was kind of, you know, the, the disconnect last year when they were, you know, the highest pass rate team. Um, right. they, they just they don't have a very good run blocking offensive line, and it's you know, wasting carries or wasting plays if you're just giving the ball to um, you know trying to run the ball up the middle just to run the ball up the middle, and I think that's that's what they they don't want. Um, so uh, do they should they want to be better running the ball? Yeah, abs- absolutely. I think that that was a big like off season talking point too. Like you don't want to be terrible at running the ball, but if you are, like you also don't want to force it. <laughs> so I think that's that's kind of the, the the balance they're they're having right now. You probably also don't want Josh Allen running quite as much as um they they did uh, in that game because he's going to be, uh, you know, susceptible some, to some hits, um, especially with a big physical guy. Like it's not like Kyler or, you know, when he's running, who has just like the spatial awareness to like never be touched by anyone. Um, he's in more eyes, more cam like. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Allen's going to throw his shoulder into someone. He's going to take some hits on that. And you probably don't want him doing it quite as much. So um, I think there, there is a bit, a bit of a change up uh, aspect there, but like you, you have to be good at it. And right now the bills just aren't. <laughs> um, so I, then, I took you off of a saint's take, I'm sure, because I, I went on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't really have a saint's takes. Like, uh, but uh, like you said, how Sean Payton's been able to you know, scheme up against Tampa Bay's defense, like the other way around too, like the saints defense has been able to, you know, figure out um, the Tampa Bay, like when they've matched up and, you know, we have the, the Marshawn Lattimore against Mike Evans where um, you know, Marshawn Lattimore just like gets routinely torched. Um, by like everyone and then is an all pro uh, against Mike Evans. He like gets <laughs> up for this game. And uh, we were talking yeah, about man. this on uh, the fantasy podcast this week about this, this matchup. It's, it's like one of the last like true rival, like individual player rivalries in, that we have in the NFL. And, and it's, it is kind of just insane when like, I think Marshall Lattimore right now, like his reputation, I think is, is much better than what his actual play has been for like an extended period of time. But then anytime he plays Mike Evans, it's like, it's, it's a, a shut down corner against number one receiver. And like, we, we get our money's worth there usually. Um, so, uh, but again, I just kind of think Tampa Bay, like we talked about it, they just have so many other options um, that like, they don't really need to be relying on, on Mike Evans anymore. Like they can still have those big plays uh, and they were able to have those uh, last week. Uh, and there were a couple like nice Mike Evans catches, but um, you just have so many other options and I'm not totally sure that the saints have the personnel to, uh, to stop that right now. So, um, you know, as much as we would like a competitive game here and like, it looked like the, the saints were going to be like uh, kind of frisky at, at some points, uh, in the middle of the season. Um, it's just, uh, they're not that team anymore. 
So on that on that high note, uh, we'll uh, we'll end the show uh, here. You can find all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Uh, uh, you find Rich's worksheet there, we, uh, which is still you know grinding away. Again, whew, we had we had no buys this week, so uh, first sixteen game uh, slate in 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 a few weeks. So uh, that was. There's a lot of games here, a lot of information in that worksheet. So uh, again, if, if you're not reading that, I don't know uh, what you're doing uh, every week. Um, again, uh, Rich's Fantasy Show, which, which you talked about also on this feed. Uh, we have Brian McChrystal doing the betting show uh, also on this feed. So uh, all, all of your podcasting needs are, are on the same feed. Uh, please like and subscribe. Uh, leave a review uh, if you have not. I think that, that helps us out uh, greatly. Uh, you can find Rich on Twitter at One Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm not going to be able to do that.